When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We're your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manas, the daughter of Persephone. Today we'll be recapping and discussing episode five of the Percy Jackson Disney Plus show. This one was fun because we watched it live with you all. And so like getting to watch it and see people, a few people in the discord were watching it at the same time and people on Twitter. It's been fun to see like the live reactions. And also this is like, I feel like this is going to be like my raw immediate reactions because I watched it probably two hours ago, three hours ago. It's always fun with these because um, I had going on but I was also trying to make dinner because it's you know dinner time (laughs) over here when it comes out and Mm -hmm. so I'm like peeking over from my kitchen because I have a little like window looking into my living room and I'm Mm -hmm. like cutting everything whilst watching it but I'm like I have to pay extra close attention to this because I essentially have to do a book report later yeah so I can't miss any sentences yeah also because it's good and it's Percy Jackson (laughs) but also because I have a book report and I want to be able to, I feel yeah. like I, like I, the fact that I looked away while I was eating pizza and missed Grover's legs the <laughs> yeah. first episode. So I was trying to be a little bit more present this time. Yeah. It really highlights, you know, having to do a book report. It highlights for me how much I don't pay attention when I watch things. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to look at my phone. Uh, yeah. There's, I mean, there's some shows I, I lap up every second of it and I've been doing that with this, but it makes me realize like sometimes I watch things and forget everything I watched. So I wrote yes. my notes right afterwards. <laughs> and it was funny cause Erin and I were on the document at the same time. So she saw me struggling to type, figure out how to type labyrinth and it was giving me flashbacks oh, to both such a Trials flashback. of and Bells of the Battle of the Labyrinth. Battle of the Labyrinth was like such a struggle typing that word. If they make it to the fourth season of this show, we'll have to deal with it again. I know. Just remind me that I don't know how to spell it. By that time, you know, it's going to be, what, six years down the line. We'll have, like, um... Don't even... Predict... AI is going to write it while I'm thinking it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We actually won't. It'll be AI versions of us doing this podcast. Yeah. They'll have our consciousness uploaded. (laughs) Yeah. And be smarter, probably. But look a little bit weird, you know? Yeah. Something will be off. Something's a little off in their face (laughs) their laugh doesn't quite reach their eyes you know (laughs) yeah 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 (sighs) okay so this is episode five we're over halfway done with the show which is really weird i feel like this it's been a blur all of these episodes coming out um and i also found that this aligns with basically just chapter 15 of the lightning thief Mm-hmm. With a tail, like the tail end of 14 and the very beginning of 16, which again was like our episode six, which I think last, uh, the last episode of the show was chapter 14 mostly. And so 
we're kind of within the same episode outline of ours. Uh, That's what I was really confused about when I was looking back through our notes. I was like, okay, so we must be on episode this by now. And I'm like, oh, honestly, everything that happens only happens in one chapter. Like meeting Aries, going to this water park, coming back. No wonder we did like only three chapters an episode for our first uh, season of this podcast because so much happens in each chapter that they can turn into an entire TV episode. Yeah, like a 30-something minute episode. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, also, before we get into it, I wanted to mention that so many of you sent like such nice messages or comments or some audio messages for our podcast birthday last week, which is, I was like, I don't know how to respond to it though. They're like, happy birthday to your podcast. I'm like, thank you. But it's not my birthday. Streaming down my face. Thank you so much. Yeah. Such nice audio messages. We're probably going to do some kind of wrap up episode after we finish discussing the TV episodes. Um, And we can include all the audio messages in there. So just encouraging you all, if you have any thoughts on the show that you want to share, then maybe you could get on the podcast. You're welcome to send us those through audio messages as well. All right. I'm going to just quickly read our episode summary, and then we're going to talk about first impressions, and then we'll dive into it. So this is from Disney Plus itself. The quest deepens as Percy, Annabeth, and Grover are tasked with a favor from a fearsome opponent. Mm-hmm. I love how these summaries have gotten shorter as the series has, series has progressed. I think they're trying to not reveal as much. Where in the beginning, they're trying to get anyone who might be scrolling through the show um, interested and hooked into what might be mm-hmm. happening. The first three episodes, like, were those really long run-on sentences. <laughs> this is just a single sentence. And, like, they can't give it away that it's Aries. They can't give away what's going on. So it becomes less and less descriptive. Yeah. We're going to have, like, a three- word sentence by the end <laughs> percy is betrayed <laughs> yeah for sure it's like the series <laughs> ends the series ends all right erin what do you think first I impression enjoyed it. i was definitely on my toes because there were some changes that i wasn't expecting i think i was ex- like with the medusa episode i was expecting them to do that differently partly from some of the press conference stuff we've gotten to go to where they talked about some of the intention behind medusa and also i just figured it would be updated and there were changes in this one or new scenes added that i just like really did not see coming and some of them i was like hmm, i'm trying to figure out the reasoning behind that what they're trying to set up for later if it's expanding on things and i'm still not sure i'm still processing it but i had a fun time I had a fun time too, and I'm going to say a first impression Monica thing, which usually comes back to bite me. I did not love the changes that they made. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I think throughout the series, I've been very happy with the changes. I felt like they were updated and they brought a different, sh- like it made it a different story, but not so much that it took away character mm-hmm. development. This felt like they were doing something that they had done in the previous episode, Again, where Percy sacrifices himself, mm. we see how much Annabeth cares for him, how their friendship has grown and become stronger. And instead of like showing us Percy being insolent again or <laughs> Annabeth being more of a three-dimensional character, we just get this heroic scene again, which wasn't my mm. favorite. I think it was a little... Maybe it'll make sense as we go forward, but there's so much hype around this episode and their interaction and being in the tunnel of love and how it's like a, like a really fundamental moment for Persebeth. And 
it kind of fell flat. I didn't feel like it established mm. anything in that like whole tunnel of love scene specifically. Yeah. Leading up to it, I really felt really excited. There was some really good banter and really good just like build up. And then it kind of fell flat for me. That's like mm. first impression. I Maybe after I've digested digested it, I'll think differently after a thousand TikToks and reels have been pushed my way. Right. Change my mind, but... Yeah, I think I'm still I'm still digesting it, which is the problem with uh, recording right after we watch them. I'm like, I don't have thoughts yet. Um, I have seen, I've already like been on Twitter and I've seen some people's commentary that has changed my, because I had an initial reaction of being like, why, why are they doing it like this? Um, not sure if I liked it. And I've seen some people talking about things that I think has swayed me to be more in favor of it. But um I want to see how it plays out for the rest of the rest of the episodes. Like some of the things it feels like they set up. Um, it's interesting, but I, I agree where I was like, I'm not sure why this one's in here. I'm not sure what this is about, but I do the Persephone lover inside of me. I mean, I will give anything to see any little scrap of Persephone on screen. So I'm happy with that at least. <laughs> Very true. And uh, both of the kids did such a phenomenal oh, job with their micro so expressions good. and their chemistry with each other. And I loved that. Yeah. No critiques yeah. there. Just yeah. the writing of the scene, the changes that were made. I'm very curious on like why, like I don't see the motivation behind it. Same. Yeah. And I think that's important because I know people on the internet are evil and have given these literal children so much crap and casting. And I think the children are the best part of the show. I think the casting's fantastic. I think any criticism we have is more about like the translation from book to show yeah. or the, uh, yeah, the writing, the pacing, et cetera. So, which is very valid. I think it's good to have critiques of things you love and it doesn't mean you hate it. And it's also good to not critique everything, you know, nuance. We're going back to that, actually. We're bringing that back. For, bringing back uh, I mean, we brought nuance in because of the original PJO series. Yeah. So I think it mm -hmm. makes sense that we bring it back. Yeah, we actually invented it ourselves. Yeah, yeah nobody else had dictionary. thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> no one else had ever thought of that, that concept before. So you're all welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we start in St. Louis. The arch is on fire. I had this moment where I was like, I can't nice. to leave St. Louis, let them light the arch on fire for this TV show. <laughs> I was like, I'm so stupid sometimes. Can you imagine? is off. <laughs> yeah. She's <laughs> like, oh, it's for TV. We have to burn down the Empire State yeah. Building. Like, just sorry. Yeah. It's for Percy Jackson. It's We gotta. You can't say no. It's Percy Jackson. <laughs> So obviously we, because of the previous episode, know Percy has jumped into the water, has been saved by yes. his father. The water came and grabbed him. But Annabeth and Grover are not that confident. They're just kind of in the wreckage. There's a bunch of cops. And that's when we see Annabeth see the fates for the first time. And I thought this was an interesting difference because Percy yeah. sees them in the beginning of the book cutting the the thread and Grover also sees them see watching Percy in this one Grover never sees them Annabeth sees them clocks knows who exactly they are and she mm -hmm. gets really anxious about it because she knows what it means to see them cut the thread yeah this was one of the changes that I was like I'm not sure if I like that Annabeth sees it instead of Percy but I think I want to know where they're going with this I think this is going to come back maybe they are um kind of looking more into the relationship between Annabeth and Luke because we know from the books 
which I guess spoiler for anyone who's mm-hmm. listening to this and didn't read the books. This is we are having spoilers from the books, but we know from the books that that cutting the 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 line I almost called it a line the yarn <laughs> the line of string um, represents Luke's fate, and so it is interesting that Annabeth sees that because she has more of a, a tie to Luke, but in the books it was always like made to the reader and Percy always assumed it was Percy's fate that was being cut. And, and it makes, so, I don't know. It makes sense that Percy would see it because he's mm-hmm. the one who gives the knife to Luke. He's the one who essentially ends Luke's life. So I'm wondering if they're planning on changing that, which would be a big bummer. Like Annabeth gives him the knife instead. Doesn't Annabeth give him the dagger? No, or Percy her dagger. does. It's oh. her dagger. But, but Annabeth's dagger. the one who tells Luke like, you can do it. Like, you are the only one. Like, calls yeah. him out from the darkness of Krook. Mm. And <laughs> Krook. Maybe that's why Annabeth sees the fates. Because it's her decision. Her um, calling out to him that essentially ends his life. Yeah. I don't know. But that was one of the changes take. that I was immediately like, huh. I'm not sure. I don't know why they changed that. I don't have a problem with it, but I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. So then we cut to Annabeth. So while Annabeth is watching the fates, Grover is noticing that the cops are kind of clocking them Mm -hmm. and have recognized them probably from the Amtrak and they need to run. Grover is not very confident that Percy is alive, but Annabeth is. And she's like, he's alive. I know it, which I love that you said that you remembered that it's something she says about Luke. Yeah, because that really bothers Percy in um, The Titan's Curse. Because remember, Percy's like the whole time when Annabeth's gone, he's like, I know she's alive. I just know it. Like, I can feel it. And then when they're reunited, she's like, and Luke, like, whatever, falls off that cliff or mountain or whatever (laughs) happened to Krook. And she's like, no, he's alive. I can feel it. And Percy's like, excuse me? Like, I thought that was just a us thing. Yeah. (laughs) You feel that about Luke? And so that was an interesting, I felt like that was definitely placed on purpose for the book fans. Well, Annabeth goes to search for Percy, finds Percy, which is a difference that I didn't clock, but I've noticed multiple times here is that Percy now gets wet from being in water. Mike pointed that out. He was like, he's wet now. And I was like, you're right. He never got wet before. (laughs) I think that it would just like, be too many levels and yeah. they needed to show like when he's pulling and like later when he pulls Annabeth out, both of them being kind of wet and breathless is like very important to mm-hmm. just show and make the readers understand the gravity of the situation. So I'm sure it was more yeah. because they can't really tell. They have to show. Yeah. So Plus, it's I not the how worst well thing. that would make sense on screen anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's one that I'm just like, oh, well, nah. it'll look a lot faker. Like you make yeah. it make it too unbelievable to see. So Percy pops out of the water. He's much more optimistic. He tells them his dad told them to go to Santa Monica. He's a daddy's boy now. He's dad's yeah. number one fan. Mm. And he realizes mm-hmm. that um, they can't, the cops are onto them. So they have to walk to LA. I love that they're just like, I guess we'll just walk on this highway. We can't take public transportation. We are going on foot all the way to LA. They're clearly kids who have not left New York. No. <laughs> we don't understand how far LA is. <laughs> also, the just like my mind would be like, this is um, a show that takes place in 2023, 2024. 
So why wouldn't they just try to find like a line bike and see how far they can <laughs> <Yeah>. get? <laughs> Steal yeah. a bicycle, something. They just like decide to go on foot is just so yeah. cartoonish of them. It's so 12-year-old logic yeah. being like, there's nothing we can do. Guess we are we'll walk. walking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. So then we have a shot of them just like walking down the highway by themselves. Um, and I did, yeah, I I thought it was interesting that Percy is talking about, he's like, I feel different. I'm way more optimistic now. My dad is real. He helped me. Maybe he's on my side for this, which thinking about it, it's really, it's kind of heartbreaking because this is, Percy's never had a dad in the second his dad, granted his dad is a god but the second his dad shows any attention for percy percy's suddenly like i have a father i'm loved i'm cared for i'm being taken care of um because he's so starved for that kind of attention which is really sad he's walking and talking about it right next to annabeth who is still Mm -hmm. paying for she loved her mother the most she was her mother's biggest defender from the beginning of this show and her mom has completely decided to turn her face like her head away from Mm -hmm. Annabeth because of something Percy did. And so it's extra hurtful that Percy, who's talked shit the entire time about Poseidon, is getting the affection that Annabeth wants. And so Mm -hmm. she's kind of sullen and sad, but then we find out that's because she saw the fates and she tells Percy and Grover about it as they hear the motorcycle approaching. And they decide to love. How when Annabeth is kind of down and Percy is like, is it because we hugged? Was that weird? <laughs> and she's just like, why is that what you're fixated on? <laughs> it's really funny because Annabeth isn't in the book. She's a little bit more awkward around like Percy and thinking that it might be a date in this one. She's like so like she's very stoic. So. Mm-hmm. You don't see that that much, whereas Percy is the one who's like, what if they think we're dating? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, that would be awkward, right? And she's just like, I wasn't thinking about it, but yeah, you made sure. it weird. <laughs> the scene where they're crouched and it's just their faces when Aries pulls up and it's just like, mm-hmm. hey, like, you kids need a ride. It's like half like de- stranger danger and like trying to be away from this strange man on a motorcycle and it's just like mm-hmm. so cute you can just see their little faces and they keep I was also, up and down I know, they're so cute i was also obsessed with uh aries's like very long trench coat and the way it like <laughs> fell over the motorcycle bike i was like he looks so cool he looks very cool He's very much how I imagined him from the books, That like the type of guy. I always imagined him more with like a shaved head, like mm-hmm. more like almost punk rocker type. This was still like that mm-hmm. vibe, but it gave yeah. a little bit of the flair of like dad going through a midlife crisis. Too, yeah. You know, he had a little bit of himbo energy too, he which did. I think we'll talk about late in a, in a few scenes, but I, I enjoyed that. So basically Aries reveals himself to be Ares, asks them to come and meet him at the diner. Instead of in the books, if you remember, Ares is already at the diner when they show up Mm -hmm. and makes them kind of have a conversation with them. In this one, he's a lot more approachable. He's scary, but he's not... He kind of gives, like, the dad who isn't really in someone's life, but, like, is still kind of someone, like, you would talk about and be like, my dad's so cool, he has a motorcycle kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that just made me, because I, I was thinking of the dad. He's Clarice's dad. I am really excited to see him and Clarice interact down the, I think in the second, that'll be in the second book. Yeah. Um, if we get some backstory on everything that happened with her and Aries, and I think that'll be super, super cool to see. I'm so Let's get that interested. green light, Disney. I know. I'm so interested to see how they're going to approach a lot of things because of the, this casting decision for season mm-hmm. for season two. Like, Confederate soldiers, is that going to yeah, be a thing? I think they're going to cut that. I think based on some of the changes they've already made to update, I'm like, that's an obvious one. Like, just, you know, make it some other soldier. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of, like, different soldiers. They can even mm-hmm. be Union soldiers. Like, I guess it's supposed to be losing, but, like, could be yeah. like, French soldiers. Like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Could just be like unnamed soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Make it the British, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so this is where we get to see Gabe finally talking shit about Percy. I'm so glad they included that. Me too, because obviously he doesn't kind of he seems just kind of annoying, but not like the total slime ball. This kind of cements him in like this not a cool person and just like a bad father figure fully for Percy. So Aries shows Percy, like, Gabe is talking shit. He implies that Percy has hurt his mother, which is really a really low blow. It -hmm. also shows Gabe does not care about Sally and the missing, like, the fact that Percy and Sally are missing. It's more about vengeance and wanting his car back and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, he's, like, tearing up about the car in the clip, (laughs) which is hilarious. Um and I also thought it was funny that Aries, like when they walk up to him, he's on his phone and he's like, I'm starting wars on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing he would be doing in 2024. Yeah. I loved the way that, I don't know if you've seen Good Omens, but I the way yes. that mm-hmm. the way that Aries talks about war between Poseidon and Zeus is very similar to how they approach war in that mm. series as well, where they're like, these celestial beings know war is inve- inevitable. And they're like, oh, might as well have it happen. Like, because we need to prove a point. We need to, mm-hmm. I've been wronged in some way without any regard to the fact that there's going to be so much collateral damage. Because it doesn't affect them because they're celestial beings. And so Ares is like, Zeus knows that there's going to be war. He's prepared for it. He knows it's inevitable. So you know what? This doesn't really matter about who stole a lightning bolt. It's going to happen. But he's going to help them get to LA if they go get his shield that he left in the amusement park. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's very much clearly not telling them everything because like, why would he randomly offer to help them? It's very much like how it was set up in the book where he's like, you just need to do me this favor. And they're like, well, I guess we don't really have another option. So sure. The thing that they didn't keep in the, they didn't mm-hmm. have the book is that Grover has to stay for collateral. Whereas mm-hmm. he is with them at the water park and um, is like outside trying to help out. <laughs> he's like using, he was like flying around in his shoes. Cause they, I remember they got stuck in the tunnel of love ride together. And Grover's like being, being his own collateral damage and like flying around with his shoes, <laughs> which I thought was almost a good change because in the yeah. previous couple of episodes, Grover has already done that. He's already like Medusa. He flew away immediately and was no help. So they're yeah. like, we can't keep having this character just be useless. Yeah. 
So Which is Rick did in the books. He like, did. No wonder we made so much fun of Grover in our <laughs> early episodes, like with peace and love. But all he did was like fly away or play the pan flute in the back, or get injured and cry or for get Percy. injured. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we end up having Percy and Annabeth go into Waterland. Mm. I loved Waterland. I loved I they it. They did a great job. It was exactly how I imagined it. Except I did realize though. That it looked like that in my head, but also in another part of my head, <laughs> I contain multitudes. I realized it was also in my head, like the spooky land from Scooby Doo, the movie, <laughs> the live yes. action one. Yes. I that, but shut down. <laughs> Which I, I feel like it's still kind of on track. I thought they did a great job. I do kind of miss the Waterland merch, how they all were wearing the merch in the book and had bags and shirts and they stocked up on supplies there. Yeah. And I was like, someone should make Waterland merch. Maybe we I've should do that. I've seen it. There's a <sighs> couple of TikToks of like, oh, I make like Percy Jackson merch and it's pretty good. I think things are going to come that. out that are really cool in the next couple of yes. months. And I'm super excited. All these like very talented creators are going to come out with incredible merch i love an obscure niche reference to something that you can wear and no one really knows what it is unless you know and someone like is like oh waterland that's percy jackson everyone else would just be like guess that's some theme park yeah and it's fun because it's instead of wearing the bright orange shirts like you get to wear something a little bit more toned down yeah something a little less recognizable (laughs) one thing that i had me um kicking my feet and giggling was mm-hmm. Percy mentions that the entrance while they're entering Waterland is this like, it's very horror movie-esque. Mm-hmm. It's like a great mm-hmm. area for a horror movie. And Annabeth, who we know is just like this child who stares at the sun all day, like doesn't do it. Like I she's guess. not she in society. I, she no. really does not. She's like, oh, I've never seen a movie before. <gasps> I was like, oh my God, that's so sad. And Percy is shocked because we all are shocked because that's so sad. Yeah. It's just like, like, what is Chiron doing as the camp director? Does he not have movie nights? Apparently not. Apparently not. just doesn't go to them, which I'd also believe. She's like, no, I need to go read and train. (laughs) Yeah. Like, she's just such a serious child. She's like, I need to Mm -hmm. be trained. I need to be prepared for any possibility. And now you know, is feeling unprepared actually in the world. Anyway, the thing that got me really, uh, Percy was like, oh, well, you know, if we survive this, we're going to have to change that and like take you to a movie. And I was like, oh my goodness, the Riz. But it just reminded me in the Battle of the Labyrinth how Mm. Sally's teasing Percy because he has a planned hangout with Annabeth after his orientation where his school blows up to go see a movie with Annabeth and Sally's like it sounds like a date to me and I thought that was a cute little I don't know if it's on purpose and pretend it is cute little like set up for that like they finally go or have plans to go see a movie or they since this moment Percy makes it a mission to see movies with Annabeth oh maybe they do that regularly Mm -hmm. That's so cute. And I think they're doing, both the actors are doing such a good job of really portraying. I I feel like maybe I'm projecting, but I feel like I can see the awkwardness of like the beginning stages of a crush in both of them. Like the the glances they give together, the way Leah as Annabeth looks so like touched when Percy says that, but also kind of confused and weirded out by it. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're doing such a great job of being awkward little kiddos. <laughs> so cute. I love that. Um, so they go inside, and this is just kind of a... I think the reason they put this in here, why as they enter the, the park, is to let us... The view us the new viewers know that Hephaestus built this amusement park. Yes, and Annabeth fix, figures that out by noticing celestial bronze and noticing that like it's a little weird that there's almost like a weapon inside the entrance of the water park, and it's because I keep saying water park. I think it's just an amusement park called Waterland. Called Waterland. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's. I think the only water ride is the Tunnel of Love. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Um, I thought that was interesting because we need a lot of explanation, obviously. Percy just kind of like is given it by Ares pretty early on that he has like he was there with his girlfriend and like he got uncomfortable. And then Percy's like, oh, my God, scandalized that. Yeah. Um, which happens here, too. It's not as in de- depth as it is in the book of Percy being like the sanctity of marriage. But it's like <laughs> Percy. <laughs> book Percy was suddenly like, I am very monogamous Emma. <laughs> just letting you know <laughs> just throwing that out there I would never do that <laughs> I thought this was interesting you mentioned it in the discord and I didn't see it in the beginning but when you said it back in the diner and Grover is talking to Ares and trying to get Ares to reveal mm-hmm. who took the lightning bolt you think that it makes it seem like Grover is suspicious. And I've seen people yes. thinking Grover is going to betray Percy. Yeah. And it's not just me because my sister also texted me and was like, Grover is just being sus on Maine with Aries. And I was like, okay, it's not just me reading that. <laughs> They're making, I think like if I wasn't a book reader, I might suspect Grover. Mm-hmm. Or they're maybe trying to make you suspect Grover. But it's almost, he's too, they're making him almost too obvious a target now. As like Percy's closest friend. If someone who's a friend betrays Percy, the one that would hurt the most would be Grover. But I thought it was uh, different how they have Grover just like actively buttering up Ares and trying to get information out of him about the lightning bolt. Now we know from being readers and spoilers is that Ares is under the influence of Chronos specifically, not Kruk, but Chronos mm-hmm. specifically. Not so <laughs> it's interesting to see Ares having this really normal conversation with Grover, remembering things, having memories as if he's not under a spell. So I was like very curious mm-hmm. on what direction they're going to go. Aren't they going to yeah. go with the fact that he's been possessed or are they going to make Ares kind of a villain, just like ready for yeah. war? But they do introduce Kronos and t- tell the story of Kronos. Um, mm-hmm. In the beginning, Ares brings it up to demonstrate how like messed up the Olympians are. Yeah. Um, Which reminds me of in the last episode, that uh, quote from Echidna of like, it's always been a family story. They're definitely narrowing in or zeroing in on that, that theme of like, what is family? Is family the thing you're born to? Does that mean you have to love it just because they're your parent or your relative, even if they're abusive and terrible? Um, Cause we know from these, like the, the overarching, one of the things that we love about these books is the found family element of it and how they are, the demigods are each other's family when their parents are not great. So they're definitely setting that up well. 
I also liked that they gave Grover skills. So like we have Annabeth's <laughs> like I can put Grover again. Pan flute and and that's pretty what much it. Song he could play yet. <laughs> the Hillary Duff song. song. The Hillary Duff song. <laughs> it's more of like in the books he develops more of as a character when he has this passion for Pan and he's able to like channel that and also when he's the only one who can really understand and ground Percy. But at the same time, in this one, he's already able to do that from the beginning. And Mm -hmm. he actually is good at just talking to people in general because Percy is not good at it. Annabeth is very (laughs) not good at it. So I'm Mm -hmm. really glad they're like, he's going to be the person who can talk to anybody by using the power of honestly empathy. He's an empath. Yeah. Yeah. Percy's like, (laughs) I can fight people. I can continuously sacrifice myself. Annabeth can like you know, have the brain cell, but at least Grover yeah. can use empathy. And it's almost in this one sus because it's almost manipulative. It's very sneaky. Yeah. I was surprised because he's he's actively manipulating Aries to try to get him to tell things, which I was like, that's an advanced skill for Grover. Like, like Grover, Lightning Thief Grover is so innocent. And this take on Grover, he's still incredibly innocent, but he is uh, a little bit more calculating here. So back in the tunnel of love, Percy is not happy wah, to be wah, in this tunnel. <laughs> He's the only one. Annabeth doesn't care. Annabeth is like immediately in the ride and she's going. She's like, whatever. Percy's like, oh my God, this is awful. Like he has a moment of like, I cannot believe that Ares is like, has the audacity to cheat on, to cheat, to get with Aphrodite, Hephaestus's wife. At Hephaestus's amusement park, like what is like why? Which is true. Again, that is he's super being stupid. Like, just so you know, I'm loyal. I would never do that. Just putting <laughs> that out there for Annabeth. no reason at all, yeah. Annabeth. Like just so you know, just so you know. They get into the ride and it becomes comical very quickly. It's so with funny. What is love is playing. Oh. Um, it was just hilarious because Percy's like, I think I know this song. I'm like, yes, you do, son. Like, please, everybody knows this song. Them, like, not fully knowing the song is very Gen Z, though. It's true. It's so... Yeah. <laughs> the Hephaestus animation on the walls was really cool. Um, so it was cool. also super funny. I noted it in the Discord when we were chatting, like, watching. It's just, like, Hephaestus puts his trauma. He's like, look how Hera rejected me. Look how my wife rejected me. And, like, this is my tunnel of love. <laughs> like, no, it's a of rejection as what is love is playing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is love to Hephaestus? It's what torture. is love? That's what he wants to know. His therapist asked him that question and told him to dive deeper, and then he took that project a little bit too far, and now every Everyone else yeah, he has was to like, suffer. Imagine making a ride out of your trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and then you make people you don't like or may have caused the yeah. trauma sit in it. Yeah. Or even funnier, complete strangers that like Percy and Annabeth, <laughs> just like you send random people on this ride and they're like, who are you? <laughs> this is like some random uncle that they've never talked to. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sorry this happened to you. Like, okay, what do you want me to do about this? (laughs) I did get the vibe that Disney wants to make this an actual ride. They made it something that could, if they add Percy Jackson into Disney World, could easily make it a ride. Yeah. That's what I said while watching and I was like, oh, Disney is itching to make this a ride. Like, if they get the attention and money that they want, they are going to make a tunnel of love. (laughs) 
and a thrill ride of love. Thrill ride of love. Now, what's cool is back to some of our press conferences that we got to attend. Um, this is Eric Henry and Jeff White from the VFX Talk. They were talking about making the Tunnel of Love. So I thought I would play it really quickly. The first time I talked to, you know, Eric and Dan and John, they said, well, we've got a show where our main cast needs to travel across the United States. And we, but we're shooting it all in Vancouver and it has to be absolutely authentic. I think that really guided us towards the uses of this technology. We've been using the volume for like six or seven years now, and it has a lot of advantage. Like typically you would build a partial set and then you'd have a lot of blue screen around that. But blue screen still has a lot of disadvantages compared to the volume in terms of the lighting is always feels a little bit strange and you kind of lose some of the nice hair detail and edges. Whereas with the volume, we're actually shooting right into the final image. And what's so incredible about that is that it takes something that used to be done all in post-production and it moves it up into the shoot. For the actors, you know, compared to just standing inside of a blue box, to be able to see the world around them makes such a huge difference, I think, performance-wise. And then especially for our camera operators, when you can frame not just the character, but the character and the background, I think the result is much, much stronger compositions in terms of what we were able to pull together. So on the volume, you have a living world that we can move through. So it's not like a static set. Um, great example is the Tunnel of Love. That was all shot with a 60-foot um, tank that was built inside of the volume. So you have all the beautiful reflections uh, from that environment. And on the wall was the animation that they're watching, which was sort of a fun combination of techniques where... Uh, we had the animation done as hand-drawn 2D animation and then played it back on the tunnels of the wall, of the virtual wall in real time so that our actors could, could see the story play out and react to that emotionally. So in the end, uh, they were um, in a static uh, boat and the whole world was moving around them. It's a really emotional scene between um, Percy and Annabeth and... Um, you know, our actors just did a phenomenal job. Like at the end of the day, we're sort of building all this technology around them, but they really pulled it off. And I think again, for them, what was fantastic is that instead of sitting in a water tank with blue screen all around, they were actually could see the tunnel around them. They could see the animation playback live. And for our director, it was, it was a really tricky scene because there was a lot of choreography between the music and uh, the animation that was playing back that tells a story as they travel down the tunnel. <clears throat> so we had control set up where we could run a long take and then reset to a specific part of the action and have the actors watch that again and do a specific performance for it. But logistically, it was actually really great um, to essentially be working um, in, a, in, a, in a tank where the world moved around us because that opened up ideas for shots that we may not have had otherwise. For instance, uh, there's there was one where as soon as we were in there and we were seeing the world around us uh, on the volume wall, the uh, cinematographer, Pierre Gill, put the camera up and we did a shot of it reflecting off of the water underneath the kids. And it was so beautiful. And I don't think we ever would have even considered a shot like that if we were shooting on blue screen. So I thought that was really cool that it doesn't they got to like react to the scenes rather yeah. than having to like just play off of a script on what they probably know that they're supposed to be seeing. 
Yeah, and the amount of work that goes into just this this particular set. I mean, this is a pretty big set with a lot of moving pieces. Um, but, you know, they had to make this whole animation and then broadcast it onto the wall. And then also have What is Love playing. <laughs> like, I'm going to be singing that all day. They also get tossed into the water, too. Yeah. And Percy is able to use his water powers to save them, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, because Percy doesn't just kind of figure it out he had it. Just like an episode ago. Yeah, yeah, he's just learned how to... I mean, he he says, he's like, I'm kind of figuring out. He doesn't really know how to use it. It seems like he only uses it in times of extreme emotion or danger. Yeah, Like with what we've seen with Nancy. Um, I mean, with the, with the toilets, with Clarice, the jumping off the arch, he's more so viewing that as like, my dad saved me mixed with maybe he used his water powers and then here to save him and Annabeth. And so it's all very reactive things, nothing that he's consciously doing. So at the end, they see the shield and it's part of this animatronic chair. And so I thought it was very fun that Percy remembers the myth of the chair Uh rather than Annabeth. And it's because his mom has told him the story and basically it's like he realizes his mom has been for years warning him about the yeah. Olympians and saying and he uses Annabeth in that like staying away from you guys she told me to stay away from you guys like mm-hmm. Annabeth is included in that which is a very interesting yeah reaction I do love that they keep bringing up they have Percy remembering things that his mom taught him as a way to keep bringing up Sally even though she's only been physically present in the first episode and there's a flashback as well I think in the in the fourth episode um but it's a great way to keep bringing her back and reminding us that so Percy comes to the conclusion that he has to someone has to sacrifice this stupid ass (laughs) I can only hear the sorcerer's stone he's going to sacrifice himself no Ron no (laughs) you can't Do you want? Okay, we're gonna go on forever. <laughs> Stop safe from getting that stone or not? <laughs> In my sleep. Oh, me too. It's become so ingrained. I'll pull it out it's randomly, so, and then yeah. everyone around me will respond. My yeah. favorite was I was at friends. Sorry, like, tangent. I was at Friendsgiving, and it uh-huh. was playing on the background. <laughs> Um, and there's like a couple of my friends who are a bit older and they're not on social media. And so mm-hmm. they obviously know Sorcerer of Stone, but they don't understand the recent impact these ones yeah. have had. So the, the revival. Younger, the revival. <laughs> and so the way that like we all were waiting for that scene and in the middle of us all talking and like eating and hanging out, like half of us turn and like robotically <laughs> do it in that really like almost over-exaggerated way. And everyone else was just like, dude, what the fuck was that? <laughs> It's like a cultural <laughs> phenomenon. It's a ritual, yeah. actually. I was like, oh, this is all I could think of in this scene, especially like the way per- Percy's like, you have to go on without me. I'm yeah. like, it's giving Ron Weasley right now. <laughs> Calm down. Like, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a bummer that this happened again. I know I said that earlier. Where I was like, we just did this. Like, you Percy's giving. We yourself. just sacrificed. Yeah. And it's just like we already showed Annabeth. I, I know why they were trying to cement like they would never betray each other or if there mm-hmm. is a betrayal of Annabeth later, it's just going to hurt so much more. But I just felt like that was already established and I thought yeah. this was a bit unnecessary. 
I do think it was a good way with Annabeth, not the sacrificing, but the part right after how she doesn't go to the shield. She goes to try to save Percy. That was a great yeah. way to show that Annabeth is now ready, like fully almost cares more about Percy than she does about the quest now. Yes. Um, but yeah, I agree that I was kind of like, what is happening? <laughs> you sacrifice Okay. I had this moment where I was like, Annabeth only has four friends, right? Luke, yeah, what, like, Grover, Luke, Percy now, Talia's and Talia. Tree. And so tree. now, I was like, now two out of her only four friends have turned into some kind of object. Like, maybe that's, Annabeth yeah. is the problem. Yeah, I'm sure that's I'm, what she thinks. I know. Girl. I was like, Percy keeps doing this to her, knowing her trauma. Like, it's yeah. really kind of mean. <laughs> Oh, but it is kind of cute how they have a moment when when he is sacrificing himself and he tells her like no you need like you're better at this you know what you're doing i don't know what i'm doing i am more expendable than you are um and she looks like she wants to argue with that but she also agrees with <laughs> she's like, i do know yeah, what i'm doing true. thank you <laughs> so hephaestus shows up at first annabeth mm-hmm. just like does the same thing that she does with aries where she's just like ignores him he's she's like i'm good thanks like turns her body and then Mm -hmm. Hephaestus has to reveal that he is Hephaestus just he's like this is my ride like what are you doing and i liked Annabeth's monologue i love it was so good she was like basically ridiculing the gods for the first time she was really just expressing her disappointment in them and she was like but percy isn't like the olympians she's not he isn't like everyone which we've discussed so in depth on this podcast especially in sea of monsters where percy is the only one who's never let annabeth down except for the rachel thing that was like a blip yeah that was that was a bit of a little a little blip you know hormones were involved it's fine He just like didn't talk to her after she kissed him, but that's fine. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's communication he, issues. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like he's an idiot rather than he actually. Yes. Was, you know. Anyway, so yeah. the fact that this is like seen again where Annabeth's like, this is the one person who, and when Luke betrays her, he definitely becomes the one person who has not disappointed or hurt her, and so she's expressing that because this is, you know, no longer just from Percy's point of view. We get Annabeth's point of view as well, and so yeah. loved that monologue. I loved it. I thought, you know, the scene with Percy sacrificing himself, I also was like immediately like, I don't know that this was needed. I don't know how I feel, but I adored this monologue. And I love that she's just like talking about how everyone's all about power and glory, her mom and Ares and Zeus. And she's like, even I was, but Percy isn't. He isn't that way. And this is the first person I think that she's ever met who isn't like the gods, who isn't always trying to like prove themselves and get ahead, who is just good because they're good. And I'm like, oh, that is so sweet. And I love, I love that. I love her monologue. It's great. Leah does a fantastic job. She does. 10 out of 10. It gets through to Hephaestus who lets Percy go free. Mm -hmm. So great, great delivery. Always a good monologue is always the right way to go. Yeah, and we know from the way Hephaestus is characterized in these books that he, you know, he's not like other gods. Like, his whole thing is that he doesn't really fit in with them. And so with her saying, like, he's not like them, I don't want to be like them, all of you suck, he's like, well, I kind of agree with you. They do all kind of suck. Like, my family is the worst. I just did a whole montage about it. I just <laughs> yeah, you saw that. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> you had a 
had front row tickets. Yeah. Basically, the next scene is like a very cool, like badass shot of Annabeth and Percy walking into back into the diner with the shield mm-hmm. where I definitely Aries thought they were going to fail. So, oh, yeah, it's a nice vibe. It, it's very heroic. And then the next thing, which we would felt like Aries was going to personally escort them to Los Angeles instead gets them a ride with the zoo animals, which is very in line with the book. He's like, it's yes, going to the Lotus, Lotus so Aries. The Lotus Casino, though, is where they walk into in the books. It's not the yeah. actual destination. They just and in, stumble on in there. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, we need, we're tired. We need food. This seems like a place to go inside. Whereas this yeah. is the location because Hermes is apparently a gambler. And so like, they have I'm to go find him. That. Hermes just hangs out at the casino. Like, what? Doesn't he have a job? He's like the one Olympian with a job. <laughs> he needs to deliver things. That what is he just doing? Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Manuel Miranda. He's going he's gonna to be in the next episode, isn't he? Yeah. And we're all trying to I'm figure excited. out if it's going to be a musical episode or not. I'm you know, very excited. I, <laughs> I don't know how I would react to that. Mm-hmm. I think it would simply be an episode of us just like sitting in silence and like mm-hmm. trying to start sentences being like, you know, ah. <laughs> oh, he's singing again. Okay, cool. Oh, he's rapping oh. now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd still watch it. We see a little bit of Percy's sassiness where he's very annoyed with Aries, but not in the level of the book where he's like ready to fully body Aries yeah. in the end of the book because he feels set up by the ride and in, in the book there's there's cameras and all that other stuff. And so this one he's just like, you don't want to find a like threat, which is hilarious coming yeah. from this three foot tall child. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Which is I'm sure like what it's supposed to be. We know that later, though, because we know the Aries Percy's fight happens because it's all Walker can talk about in interviews, <laughs> and so it's. I, I wonder how that they're gonna have that in the show because Percy doesn't seem as pissed at Aries now. He's kind of just like done with Aries. Like I just get me to the next part of the quest, but we know that he's obviously gonna learn something or find something out of that is gonna make him ready to throw hands with a god. The Episode ends with Grover very dramatically turning to them and says, and when they're in the back of this zoo animal truck, is, I know who stole the Master Bolt. Do you think he's going to say Hades? I don't know. Well, because they all think it was Hades, though. That's what they're going on this quest to go to Hades for, is because they're all already under that assumption. So I'm like, that can't be what Grover's about to say. I wonder if because he's going to say Eric. Like we knew that. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I, think I wonder. Yeah. I have no idea. I was I was surprised with this line. I was sort of, I think Mike was talking while about <laughs> something else while the dialogue was going on. And then I was, I saw the caption of like, I know who stole the bass roll. And I was like, hold up. Like I rewinded. I was like, Grover, what? Do you, what? Who stole what it? Tell about? me. What do you, yeah. what do you know? What do you mean? It's a great way to end. I'm like, but the, yes. I mean, I think last episode's ending was supreme, but it was also, this one was a good mm-hmm. way to end an episode. Like we're excited for the next one. I think also because the last one was the last, we had like a long break before we got to see this one, you and I. So yeah. mm-hmm. like extra, a lot of like excitement, but this is, this was a good one. I'm so curious in what direction they're going to go. Yeah. 
Same. And I think ending with Grover saying that as well, if I had not read the books, I would be so suspicious of Grover. Like we didn't get to see his full conversation with Ares. And then he just comes to them like, I know who did it. I'd be like, he's lying. He did it. Like I I get why the TikTok people are convinced that he's the lightning thief. Super sus. They're trying to trick us. We can't be tricked because we've read these books five billion times. <laughs> but we're still being tricked. They're still changing things, which is fun. It keeps us on, a, on our toes. It also it upsets us lightly about yes. certain changes, but that's okay. <laughs> so the two things that I thought that I feel like they should have kept, and I'm kind of sad that they didn't, is... Mm-hmm. In the books, Annabeth freaks out. We see her lose her composure for the first time in the whole series because of the metal spiders that come at her. Yes. And I'm sad Mm -hmm. that they took that out because it made her feel so much like a normal 12-year-old girl and, like, allowed her to be more uh, multifaceted, like a person who is strong and stoic and... um, you know, how always has all the right answers and knows what to do next is also really scared of spiders. I thought that was really brilliantly written and I thought it was a kind of a bummer. Like the way that in like a lot of adaptations, they over tried to make the girl a bit too girl bossy that they mm-hmm. take away fun care, like the funny characteristics of her. I'm a yeah. little nervous that they're going to do that, but I understand, but I also don't. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I understand the film perspective, like just the logistics of an animatronic spider. It might feel kind of random to viewers, but I also really cling to that part of Anna. Like, Annabeth having flaws is really important to me as a reader, which I think is important, like any character having flaws. But I think seeing, you know, strong female characters with flaws is super important. Um and seeing them, you know, very composed, badass characters still have silly fears or still have anxieties is really important. And I think we've seen time and time again in adaptations how that is often erased in lieu of the like hot badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that they're not doing I, I don't think they're doing that so far, but I have a lot of I feel like I have trauma about it. Like oh, I'm yeah. like, please don't take this really complex girl and turn her into a badass, even though she is a badass, if that makes I'm like, Annabeth is a badass. Yeah, but you can and be a badass. she's scared of spiders and yeah. really nerdy. Like, nuance. Yeah. Nuance. We're going back to it. Going back. And I think Leah's done a great job of showing a lot of, like, vulnerability, and there's a lot going on in her eyes, but in Annabeth's head, um, that makes me, like... My my gripe is more about the things they're, like, cutting out or the writing. I think that if they... We'll see. Maybe maybe spiders will show up in the next episode somehow, and it'll be like a little bit about Annabeth being afraid of them. I love women with flaws. Me too. And I think as a flawed woman, I would like to see yes. my, myself represented more. Exactly. As a, fla- as a flawed woman. <laughs> Deeply flawed. <laughs> as actually incredibly flawed woman. <laughs> and just like one single flaw in these characters <laughs> is all we need. Oh, I mean, I love well, when they're deeply for. flawed. Yeah. I do love a deeply flawed woman. Me too. Yeah. I did, I talked this one through myself on why they made the changes here. So in the book, 
they have it almost like a show. Like Hephaestus yeah. has, had made this ride because he knew that he was going to trap Ares and Aphrodite together. And then it was going to live stream to Olympus because I didn't realize that as a child, but they'd probably be, you know, doing the do and being yeah. very naked and vulnerable in and then being broadcast to all of Olympus. And so yep. instead, what Percy is really mad that he gets trapped in this situation. So he broadcasts himself what i assume i read as flipping it him yeah. like flipping off the cameras but he, he doesn't he just t- tells says a great line tells the olympians basically screw themselves and like knocks out the camera has a yeah, very I think big he's like shows over or something like that yeah yeah and i would have loved to see that because it's like the sassiness again but i think with the storyline that they're going where he saw immediate repercussions oh my god he saw immediate consequences i'm not gonna say it (laughs) just um with the way that he handled medusa's head and it wasn't to him it was to annabeth he's much more cautious he wouldn't do that because he knows it's not gonna come back and bite him it's gonna come back and bite annabeth and he's not gonna do that oh yeah so i felt like that made more sense because that's yeah. the direction that they went. Whereas in the books, he continues to be like, what are you going to do? Kill me. And then he continues to try to be killed. So, yeah, he's so unhinged. I love that. Yeah, I had one of my notes is I felt like the tone felt a lot more serious in this in in the show so far as a whole and less silly, goofy than the books, uh, which is partly because in the books, we're getting constant Percy's own inner dialogue which is just like silly goofy you know yes, all the time yeah. he's just like describing things in the most ridiculous way possible um not to say i don't think the show is silly goofy because i think that they've had really great moments of uh especially walker being just being percy yeah being a and uh grover singing they've had great moments of that but um some of the kind of silly moments from from the tunnel of love, especially in the book where Annabeth is like, you want to go in there with me? Like, you, what, <laughs> what would that mean? And Percy's now? like, um, I actually don't like, <laughs> and they're like, we can't hold hands or anything. Um, it's just a lot more silliness. But, you know, yeah. we only get 30 something minute episodes. So it is what it is. That is and true. my other like overall thought was I really, I think I talked about this, but I love how they're showing Annabeth's uh, continual loss of trust and faith in the gods and how that's developed. Like she just straight up with Ares and with um, Hephaestus, she really is not respecting them at all. Whereas in the first three episodes, she was very much like we respect the gods and we get rewarded. That is the rule. And then in the fourth episode, she saw I respect my mother. I do all this stuff for my mother and uh, my mother punishes me for something Percy does. So therefore I don't have to respect them anymore. And we see that continued uh, development for her, which I do think is fascinating when paired with Percy's newfound, like, Hey, I like my dad in this episode. (laughs) It's great. It's going to be fun to see those two things progress at the same level Mm -hmm. parallel to each other. Yeah. I have a feeling they'll end up back somewhere in the middle. Like, they're somewhere in the middle of, like, oh, the gods occasionally help us, but they're not great. And no. we don't, we shouldn't grovel before them. And they're going to continuously see, like we saw in the books, Percy's constantly presented with moments where he's like, oh my god, the gods suck. 
and yeah. I'm doing all this work for them and I'm seeing them being absolute hypocrites and useless and just the worst people and it shakes his fate and mm-hmm. moves him a little bit towards Luke's cause but never he'll never go that far mm-hmm. so let's do the lightning bolt round questions <laughs> now do you want to hear our rewind question yes what is it Okay, so if you had to choose a theme park ride to trap your enemy in, what ride would it be? I forgot that we did, until I was looking at our old notes, that each episode, one of us chose three questions. I couldn't even think of one properly today. That's crazy that we even did three. (laughs) Anyway, I clearly chose this question. (laughs) Um, I think, you know the, I don't know what I said in past me, but... I think, like, you know the uh, the ride that spins really fast and you're basically, like, strapped into the wall and gravity eventually holds you there when you're standing up? Oh, God, I hate those. I would Everyone trap my enemy there. throws up. Yes. <gasps> I would trap oh, my enemy good. there and just keep them spinning forever. And, like, that's also fun because if they – I think I saw a either a TV show or a movie recently – where two characters are trying to get out of something that's spinning like that and they're just sliding all over the place and hitting each other. I don't remember where it's from, but it's nice. like something recently. And mm-hmm. I'm just imagining my enemies just like bouncing like ping pong balls. Just, I think it'd be a great one. That's great. Yeah, I think on that theme of of terrible fair rides... <laughs> I'm thinking of the type of ride that, like, you know the drop rides? They just, like, send you really high and then drop you to trap them on that, but it never drops. You just keep going high and, like, you have the anticipation and, like, you just wait at the top. Mm. And, like, a baby drop and then it keeps going higher and higher. They think it's going to be the big one and it never is. Mm. It never is. Hmm. How did right, we talk see what for we three said. minutes? We talked this. for a while. We must have like told some story about a ride. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure let's I see. told the story of how I died on the roller coaster. Let's see. Sammy, you're welcome to cut out or speed up whatever you want. But, you know, this might be, these might be gold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you had to choose a theme park ride to trap your enemy in, what would it oh. be? So I can answer while you think. Yeah. I thought of... Kind of like the Peter Pan ride at Disneyland. Ooh. I've only been to Disneyland like twice in my life and I haven't mm. been in a long, long, long time. But I remember mm-hmm. thinking the Peter Pan ride was cool but also very creepy. Oh, no, it wasn't Peter Pan. It was the the, the Winnie the Pooh one. Cause you're oh, like, that one is creepy. Because you There's go to Tigger's weird psychosis dream yes. and you're just like terrified there. I, I find that scary still yeah. as an adult. <laughs> I would totally trap my enemy there because at that point, it's not about, like, you know, shaming them publicly. It's about, you know, trapping them in a fever dream. Yes. Ooh, that would be the the Tigger section. The ride gets stopped in that. Ooh, that would be. That's genius. Yeah. I think I would say I have two ideas because I'm on the Disneyland train right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I would. So Haunted Mansion. One time I got stuck in Haunted Mansion in front of the talking, um, like, head in the ball. Oh, that's the and worst. I was like, me and my sister were in the ride together, and we like it was to the point where we like memorized the whole speech that she has. So that was terrible. Mm-hmm. But my other answer would be, did you ever go on the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in Disney? Again, I haven't been, I haven't been to Disney. I've been to Disney like 
twice in my mm. recent life, and it was a long time ago. Yeah. The Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is, it's definitely, like, for younger kids. When I went to Disneyland the first time, I was five, and we went on, like, all the five-year-old rides, and that ride... You sit behind, like, a driver's side, and the plot of it, it's really disturbing. The plot of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is you, like, end up in hell at one point because you, like, violate traffic laws, and then you end up in fiery hell. And I was behind the driver's wheel, and I was five, so I thought I was actually driving it, and I have... I have an authority. I hate breaking rules, especially as a kid. And I was with my mom and grandma and I was fully like screaming in the ride when we went to hell. I was like, no, I didn't mean to. Oh I, I was like, Trump. and then I went on it again, like years, like when I was an adult, the probably last time I went there and it's like very stupid, but I would <laughs> love to get someone trapped in the hell part of that mm-hmm. ride. Like, specifically Mr. Toad's version of hell. Mr. Toad's wild ride hell. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is so funny because, so this was 2020. 2022, I think, I went to Disneyland for the first Mm. time since I was, like, a preteen. And I remember... Talk, like texting you being like I'm gonna go on the Mr. Toad ride because you've talked it's about scary. it on the pod. and now that you've mentioned it, I remember texting you and being like that is the craziest storyline you basically it's like you, so you drive drunk and you go to hell that's the whole plot yeah. of that story yeah no if you go a lot of the really old Disney rides like have quite a like prohibitionist <laughs> undertones and some christian undertones to them yes um yeah and also that's fun because now fun fact my mom has told me that she's now listening to our new episodes hi mom because she's watching the show so she'll remember that because every time i cried for like hours after i went on that ride (laughs) and she she, they felt so bad and now every time i've gone to disney if i go on that ride i like always take a selfie with mr toad and send it to her like me and my my man (laughs) that you traumatized me with (laughs) well it's super funny too because after you said that being trapped in haunted mansion the one time that mm. I went, I got trapped. Did like, you get right stopped? Yeah. yeah. And we were I think in it's front. a rite of passage, yeah. And we were it was Halloween themed because we went I went <gasps> in Halloween time. Yeah. And so I was stuck in front of like one of the nightmare before Christmas characters just going on and on and on and on. And I was <laughs> like, I'm gonna lose it in about two minutes. Yeah. yeah. That ride is just it's a great ride, but it really needs some work. Yeah. I've gotten stuck on it like almost every time I've gone on, I swear. Okay, oh, this is just like the ride episode. Mm-hmm. All right, but this uh, lightning bolt question I came up with: What god would you most like to eat burgers or veggie burgers for us with? Honestly, Hestia, I want to sit down mm-hmm. and help her solve all of my problems and make me feel cozy. Oh, you'd feel so warm. Mm-hmm. She'd probably like order you tea. Yeah, you know, and she'd just be like, tell me about your life. Like, let me wrap yeah. everything up in a nice little bow and give you a little hug. Yeah, I would say Demeter simply because I think she'd have good spots for veggie burgers. Oh, that's true. You know, she'd have the hookup and I guess I could listen to her talk about vegetables. That's fine. (laughs) Farming. It would not be the impossible burger. I don't want any of that. It would be like a good veggie burger. Bean patty. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. There was an email I got. 
Oh, it was from Anne who mentioned that Seaweed Brain had talked about if Sally died, do you think Percy would have joined Luke? Yeah. I don't think so. Really? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I was like thinking about it very deeply. And I I know that that's what they said on Seaweed Brain. They do think that he would have, like, that was, if something had happened to Sally and it was the God's fault, Percy would then easily join Luke. I don't think Mm. so because Percy's fatal flaw is he's loyal to the people he loves and he could never betray camp in the way that Luke does. Like when Percy is angry, like so that the whole point is like Luke is too angry to see that he's hurt the people he loves. His anger is more important than Mm. helping the people he loves and he realizes that a little bit too late at the end. Percy's anger would never be enough because his the people he loves comes first. So Annabeth, Grover, yeah. and the rest of camp would ground him. He would be horrible and he would be like a mini villain. Just yeah. Be. So that's I sorry, I just like remembered that and I thought that that was an interesting like character um, yeah. debate. Yeah, and I I think my answer is it depends on when. I think if his mom was hurt like with the Minotaur thing, if the if it was Zeus instead of the Minotaur who killed his mom, I think that uh, at that point Percy would go evil. But I think you know if he had already developed a friendship with uh, Annabeth and regained his trust with Grover after Grover ratted on him to the principal, um, then he would be loyal to them. I agree that he's like, yeah, hmm, hmm. That's and just, a good one. And also saying uh, the Seaweed Brain podcast's name just made me remember that Annabeth says Seaweed Brain for the first time in this episode, which was exciting. Oh, I she calls catch Percy. that. When he comes out so of the water, good. he's like, she calls him like Seaweed Brain when he volunteers to sacrifice himself. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this one was a long one. Thank you for bearing mm-hmm. with it. These are all going to be long. This is like, I know. get it out of the way. We yeah, have a lot to say. Accept it. To, yeah, dive into. But next time, we will let you know about our release schedule. We're hoping that we'll be able to release episodes a bit earlier than this one. This one was a, you know, we watched it live with you, which is also fun. But episode six is next. And we'll let you know about the release dates when we know more information. Yes, indeed. Um, Don't forget, you can join our Patreon if you want. Um, For only $3 a month, you can see our old outlines and also be able to message us. I think that's a feature on Patreon. Um, Whatever you decide to do, it's a great way to support the podcast. And like we mentioned earlier, thank you for all your kind messages. If you want to send us more, the link to the audio message is in the episode description. So just... Say hi to us there. And you can follow us on social media at Camp Half Pod, and you can email us camphalfpod at gmail.com. If you have not, if you're new to the podcast, we're sorry for spoiling anything, but <laughs> please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.